Welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, episode 47. My name is Chris, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Mike and Brooke. And today, we're returning to the liturgical breakdown. This episode is all about the Gloria, as well as we're going we're gonna to chat a little bit about what everybody is talking about, <laughs> the coronavirus. Welcome, my friends. How are you guys doing? Great. We're talking about liturgical breakdown and societal breakdown at the same time. <laughs> yep. Hi, Brooke. How are you doing, Brooke? Hi. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that good, huh? We're talking about uh, something that... Uh, Scares the heck out of me. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah it's Nova Sordo. <laughs> <laughs> scares <Burn>. me uh, <laughs> just Burn. a little bit less than the coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Scares me more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I'm legit. Like, I'm not like panic button. Like you know, sirens wailing everywhere. But. Uh, I'm definitely watching from my window at everything regarding this coronavirus. You're just waiting Kinda for anxious. Corona to show up at your door and say, "Hello, <laughs> I am Corona here, here to take care of your family and destroy your livelihood." Corona isn't even a good beer. I don't care what most basic white people say; it's not that good. <laughs> Shots fired. We just lost our whole Mexican audience. <laughs> it's just not a very good beer. I'm sorry. I like Corona. I'm not going to lie. You're basic. <laughs> yeah. Not coronavirus, but Corona. But uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Right. It, it's crazy how well, like they canceled masses like in so many dioceses. Oh, our yeah. diocese got canceled, right? Well, it was like within the span of two days. First, it was, you know, on the Thursday, the schools. And then, you know, everyone was reeling from that because mm-hmm. they announced it Thursday evening or yeah. late afternoon, early evening. And then, um, you know, we heard about a lot of the, you know, a lot of places in the states that were, you know, closing down dioceses for, for Sunday mass. And I didn't think it would... Uh, it would escalate this quickly here. And and it escalated so quickly, we got conflicting messages from the diocese, right? Like on Friday, yeah. they released their uh, guidelines for mass, including stuff like holy water and communion, blah, blah, blah. And in that note, the bishop actually said, you know, we're monitoring things, but our risk remains low. So here's our guidelines. And then the next day, it was like, no, mass is canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a huge um, turnaround. They completely changed their minds. At the, the well, and diocese, I think, right? and uh, I think the contributing factor to that was, you know, there are an additional two confirmed cases within the span of twenty-four ish hours in London. Yeah, and uh, additional cases popping up in, uh, you know, in Kitchener and in Toronto and whatnot, and Hamilton too, mm-hmm. like. And what they cited in their cancellation was the uh, official, what was it, the health unit mm-hmm. saying, basically, we recommend no gatherings of 
over 200 or 250 people. Yeah. Yeah. And some community centers uh, weren't closed yet, but now everything is closed. Libraries are closed. You know, community centers are closed. Any March break programs, they're not happening anymore. Most of the big seminars in our area, concerts, they're just done. Yeah. We've never seen anything like this before. I don't even think our parents have. Nope. I no, mean, definitely. Is... We've never had a disease outbreak like this no. for mm-hmm. a long time. It's more reminiscent of like medieval plagues and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Well, yesterday they count for uh, Canada was in the mid 200s, I think. But today it's at 304 as mm-hmm. of the recording of the, this podcast. And uh, Which is, 142 of those are in Ontario. Yeah, we're recording today on March 15th. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, who knows what's going to happen by Wednesday when the podcast comes out, eh? Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. So we're looking at Italy today, and the day we're recording is so far the worst day for Italy. They had over 3,000 new cases and 368 deaths from virus today alone. Um, and... Yeah, if you look at the trend, they're still going up that curve. But yep. my guess is by the time we get to Wednesday and people are listening, it will have leveled off and started to trend downward for Italy just because they have had everyone quarantined for a little while now. And, you know, like like we read... Uh, all of us read this article talking about the math of how this spreads and the trends of what happens when uh, social distancing and stuff starts to happen. We'll include mm-hmm. that in our um, show notes. Yeah, we'll definitely link to that. It'll probably be a little bit older by uh, Wednesday, but they'll probably update it because that article was really popular. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I think the deaths and cases are keep they keep trending up because people have been sick at home and not had symptoms and those cases are going to keep coming to the hospitals until probably like a week or two after you start doing the countermeasures mm-hmm. and then you see the cases start to drop the crazy thing is is seeing this as a um, a social phenomenon too. Mm-hmm. When we first heard about the coronavirus, like how long ago was it? Roughly a month? January. Ish? A few weeks. We heard, we heard it was hitting yeah. in So a lot China of people weren't. Re- Sorry, Chris, I didn't hear that. I was just saying we started hearing about it in January, I think. Right. From China. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was already a full outbreak in China at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there were a couple of cases that showed up here in Canada and uh, a lot of people really didn't take it that seriously. And I, I won't, it, I won't lie. I, I didn't really think much of it. Um, I thought, okay, like somebody got something from there and, you know, they're contained, but then all of a sudden the cases just seem to explode. 
especially in Europe. And uh, yeah, there are still people that, you know, think it's just a flu and, and whatnot. But these numbers of cases and deaths, and yes, a lot of people have recovered, which is phenomenal. Um, but uh, we can't ignore. Oh, sorry. What do you mean? <laughs> you didn't finish your sentence. Well, now it's gone. The sentence is gone. <laughs> what sentence did I, I not I was, finish? I was, yeah, Mike, she just needs to deliver the sentence. You know this. <laughs> deliver the <Yeah>. sentence. He <laughs> 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 said, some people think it's just clue, but these numbers... And I know a lot of people have recovered and blah, 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 but you didn't finish what you were saying about these numbers. These numbers do not lie. A lot of people are dying at a very, very quick rate because the healthcare systems in place just are overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. The people that are dying are those that are susceptible to, you know, respiratory infections or immunocompromised, especially the elderly. It's still not, we can't take it lightly. No. No, and like, yeah. but the thing is, it's not just those who are that we know are immunocompromised that are having a hard time. Um, Taylor Marshall uh, reported today that Alexander Shugawil, the guy who punched the Papa Pacha, Papa Mamas, the Pacha Mamas into the the Tiber River, um, he's contracted coronavirus and he's not doing that good. So we need to, and he's a young him, guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's younger than us. Like he's yeah. younger than us. So yeah, we need to to keep Alexander Shugawal in our prayers. Um my mom was saying I haven't confirmed this, but um seven priests in Italy mm-hmm. are dead. One just yep. died today. Um mm-hmm. yeah. one know, in so. um Wisconsin? So, Washington. Someone in the Washington state also died, like a, a another priest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, people are we're saying on Twitter, right? Like if you think about the uh trends of who's most susceptible to coronavirus and think about the average age of your priests in your diocese. What's the average age? Probably like 60, 55. Like 55. A lot of our priests are in the most vulnerable population and you know, people are upset now with the masses canceled. Think about what happens when half the priests in your diocese die. Right. Right. Well, think also too, like I was saying this, I think to you guys earlier, the vast majority of parishes are 60 plus. They're keep, they're the ones keeping the lights on. And, you know, we're, we're hunkering down in our diocese and in many dioceses across North America, planning for these like clustering, uh, things or families of parishes, as we call it in our, in our diocese, getting ready for the time when all of our priests start retiring and the numbers start dropping off of, of bums and pews, kind of things like that. Um, but, we were projecting 10 years down the road, this could be coming this year. You know what I mean? Like if we don't get this under control, if God doesn't get this under control, uh, 
we're we're in big trouble yeah i think canada is going to do well because we're kind of ahead of the curb curve and we're starting to really implement serious um measures against it which is really good like yeah. with an exponential growth um pattern like this you get out ahead of it and you know you can flatten it right out right well they're slowing it down but they haven't necessarily like like malls are still open you know like yeah that's true are malls packed i don't know i haven't left the house <laughs> yeah we haven't left the house it's being deterred but yeah. if you still have people going to the mall and you still have people working julie went there last week and she said it was dead wow. at the mall yeah, and not not Elgin Mall, okay? Elgin Mall is always dead. Um, I'm talking about like the malls in London, like White Oaks, and stuff. right? But uh, yeah, 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 it's it's crazy. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, they're all yeah. at Costco, man. They got Sorry. their TP and they're out of here. <laughs> yeah, they're out of here. They're in their bunkers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's bad. Like the uh, I I don't know. I think. I think people are going to be contracting Corona from Costco the most. Cause that's, that's where people are congregating. <laughs> yeah. You know, go to get your toilet paper and you're, you get coronavirus. Yeah. It's Costco yeah. virus. It's a, it's a strain of Corona. <laughs> well, someone was saying like, it doesn't cause, you know, stomach issues or something like is having an excessive amount of TP really going to help you? Unless you use it as Kleenex, which I mean, that's what I used when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, it doesn't supposedly coronavirus doesn't even manifest in a runny nose. Statistically speaking, it's like it's dry cough, um, and it's high fever, and it's mm -hmm. you know, and then it develops yeah, into a pneumonia. Eventually, pneumonia in yeah. both lungs, yeah. right? Yeah, like it's it's a pernicious disease, um, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, we were we were talking earlier as well about the question of can a bishop dispense from mass uh, and can he cancel mass? Uh, public masses, speak, yeah, public masses, right? Um, with regards to this, because this is one of the big the big things that are happening, and it seems like. The trad world yeah, is like so split on this. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Like I've never yeah. seen this kind of like almost pontificating from both sides um, with regards to it. Um, yeah. It almost seems like the one side is like, you know, if you think it's okay for them to take away our masses, then you have no faith. Yeah. And you know, on the flip side, it's like, you know, if you drive to the next diocese and going to mass, then you're literally murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are just tearing each other apart. Yeah. It's crazy. And I was talking to you guys last night about how naturally I'm a people pleaser. You know, I always want to try and do the right thing as best as I can. And I was looking at Mike, I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> Rick was actually getting really anxious about this question because yeah. it 
like it wasn't immediately obvious what our actual duties were yeah. or like what we have to do about it until we had to think about it a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is, you could be, you know, asymptomatic and carrying this virus and not know it. It's a whole different thing, right? Like it's. Yeah. Like you wouldn't go to church if you had, or you wouldn't go to mass. Sorry. You wouldn't go to mass if you knew you had something contagious. Mm -hmm. You just wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, you don't know who has it. You could have it. Yeah. And it's always a judgment call when, if you're kind of not sure if you're sick or if you're contagious going to mass stuff like that it's always kind of been understood that you have to make that call for yourself um and that if you stay home to try to protect people from illness then you're dispensed from your obligation right yeah but why don't we dig into that question a little further Chris, you were about to go into the idea of um, like what the uh, actual rights of the hierarchy are. Because we had this, I've seen a lot of people talking about this, like, how can the bishops do this? They don't have any right to take away our masses Mm -hmm. like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not an authority. Right. And none of us really are an authority. We're not canon lawyers. Um, no. We can't really speak to this. Um, but uh, like, like I was reading today in Canon 87, um, it says here, a diocesan bishop, whenever he judges that it contributes to their spiritual good, is able to dispense the faithful from universal and particular disciplinary laws issued for his territory or his subjects by the supreme authority of the church. He is not able to dispense, however, from procedural or penal laws, nor from those whose dispensation is specially reserved to the apostolic see or some other authority. So, you know, again, so that we were talking about dispensation is not necessarily forcing that mass be canceled, Right. It's just saying that mm-hmm. a bishop can dispense the faithful from their um, Sunday obligation uh, across yeah. his diocese. A bishop in our diocese can't dispense Hamilton or Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah. And, and maybe as a side note, uh, there is, there's this, priest in the diocese of hamilton who i saw just was it yesterday or today yeah it was yesterday posted a video on his facebook and was saying as your pastor i dispense you all from your um your sunday obligation i have that power um reading code of canon law that does not seem to line up because it has to be given individually to each person um so, anyway, I, I just wanted to make that kind of side note. Only the bishop can dispense someone from their, like, a, a large group of people within their diocese uh, can dispense them from uh, fulfilling their Sunday obligation. That's not to say that you're not still required to keep the Sabbath holy, um, as Billy Griffith talked about um, on his uh 
on the OK Catholics Instagram recently, which was totally right. Um, but what did he say? Uh, well, he was just saying that we're required to still honor the third commandment. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, we're still required to keep the Sabbath holy. And so how do we do that? You know, uh, by the different ways prescribed by the church outside of the liturgy, right? Um, mm-hmm. So obviously not yeah. working is a big thing. It, you know, any useless work, avoiding that, spending time with family, prayers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Like we discussed earlier, like there's two parts to Sunday normally, right? The Sunday obligation to attend Mass is a precept of the church. It's not a direct divine law, so the church can dispense you of it. In this case, your bishop is the authority. And um, Yeah, the other side of that, then, like if we, we can see it's pretty clear that the bishop can dispense you from your obligation. The other part I kept hearing was um, about bishops uh, suspending the public saying of mass. And I, I wanted to comment on it. I don't really have any sources like in canon law, but I just wanted to put it out there and see what you guys think. In my mind, it makes sense that the bishop who gives the priest's faculties to licitly say mass, who approves their mass times and their churches and basically is already the absolute authority on when they say public masses should have the authority to say, no, you can't say public masses this weekend. Mm-hmm. Right. And it seems like even the most trad diocesan priests are like, yeah, of course I have to obey that. Yeah. With the notable exception of SSPX. Right. Right. But they're not under any authority. Right. Except within their their own, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, they, uh, because they're operating under the argument of the like supplied jurisdiction or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> they already had no permission to say a master of a bishop in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I mean, well, not you, the, lo- not the local how, ordinary, right? Yeah. From, from another bishop from their yeah. own bishops. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not from the local ordinary. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. And just just think about like religious orders too, right? Like think about people like St. Padre Pio. St. Padre Pio was asked was commanded by by the superior of his order, not even his bishop, and told you can't say mass, you know, in in public. You know? Uh mm-hmm. and what did and what did Padre Pio do? He turned to him and he said, "No, you you don't understand. Like I have a right as a Catholic to say mass. You can't stop me. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. You know? He was under a vow of obedience, obviously. Right. He obeyed. As are every single priest in the diocese. To their, to their ordinary, of course. Right? Yeah. They are vowed to obedience to him, and mm-hmm. they have to obey him. 
and they should obey him and there should be joy in that obedience. You know, I mean, it sucks that we don't get mass, you know, it sucks, but there is, there is, um, there's a, a scripture verse I read today, actually. Uh, so this was, uh, the reading from the, uh, liturgy of the hours this morning. This is the new liturgy of the hours. Okay, guys, don't freak out. I just can't put it in Latin. Like I don't know the words. Um, okay. He says here from Nehemiah today is what they're saying. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, today is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not be sad and do not weep. For today is holy to our Lord. Do not be saddened this day, for rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. I thought that was incredibly, incredibly apt for today. Um, wow. Yeah. All right. So, Absolutely. Um, I feel like that, I, I think that God is saying something to us um, through the church through what's happening in our world and our response is to be obedient and joyful in the obedience. If you think that's great, you should have read the uh, propers of the mass today. I did read, which them, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those ones I was, I look at my cook like, this is what, uh, this is what we all needed to hear. Well, I, I distinctly remember when we started reading through the propers and you looked over and said, well, the intro, it basically says to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the intro of the day said, um, it was the intro, right? Was it the intro or was it the call? Was that it? Sorry. Let's pause and mark. Sorry, Chris. It's okay. Yeah. It was the intro. Yeah. So the intro of the day was uh, Psalm 24. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will free my feet from the snare. Look toward me and have pity on me, for I am alone and afflicted. Do I lift up my soul, O Lord, and you, O my God, I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, and uh, also, like, even in the collect. Let us pray, we beseech you, Almighty God, hear the prayers of the humble and stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to protect us. Yeah. Like, everything in today's Mass, like propers, were so applicable to what was happening. Yeah. It was unreal, actually. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. which reminds me, we were going to read as well um, the uh, collect for the mass for the deliverance from death and time of pestilence. So maybe we can read that um, before we, we dive into our main topic today. Yeah. Did you have anything more to say? Yeah, I had one more thing. Sweet. This is like a, we've gone through the like trad versus trad argument. Now, there's the big trad versus normie Catholic uh, (laughs) (laughs) argument, which is all these bishops that are saying you can't receive communion on the 
tongue is illicit for them to do that and i think no a lot of people are saying i'm crazy but i think it's i think, crazy. I think it's violating the adults yeah if you if you were to ban all public communion that's within their power but if they allow communion in the hand and don't allow on the tongue that's a violation of the adult that allows communion in the hand in the first place yeah mm-hmm. they are not allowed to do that yeah yeah, it. I I fully agree with that. We've talked about that in our communion in the hand episode. You can find that in our show notes at theologyofthebuddy.com. Um, uh, but yeah, like I was talking to to our good friend Father Steve, and and I know you guys have been as well. And he mm-hmm. he holds very very strictly that it is far more sanitary to give communion on the tongue than it is to give communion in the hand. He says mm-hmm. that he has never once touched someone's tongue, but he said it's almost impossible to give communion in the hand without touching the other person's hand. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a lot of priests say that, but there seems to be a prevailing attitude among most ordinary Novus Ordo going Catholics that communion on the tongue is gross it's like slobbering you're licking the priest's fingers it's some kind of fetish i've (laughs) literally seen that on twitter yesterday um and i don't know if there is some kind of like active misinformation being put out there by people like i (laughs) i don't know it seems crazy that so many people think this but um, my my other theory is maybe this kind of thing comes from badly or not at all trained extraordinary ministers mm-hmm. who are doing things wrong and touching people's tongues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like if the priest is doing it right, he's not going to touch your tongue. And if you're sticking your tongue out... Um, I've heard debates about whether or not that's the proper thing to call lay people who distribute Holy Communion. Is that correct? What extraordinary ministers? Yeah. What else would you call Like some have said that extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion applies only to a priest. No, that's ordinary. Oh, okay. I just needed that clarification. I needed it. You're thinking of Eucharistic ministers. Yeah, okay. Extraordinary ministers was never uh, confused. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. But the the truth is, it. though, extraordinary ministers is not a real term either, because at least in our experience, they're far from extraordinary. <laughs> I mean, it's the proper term, and it's what they're supposed to be called, but they don't live up to it. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty much ordinary or super ordinary. Yeah, they're more ordinary than the ordinary because there's eight of them and only one of the ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) We outnumber him eight to one, people. Yeah. At at every mass. (laughs) Yeah. So extraordinary. (laughs) What? Let's go, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. They, uh, these parishes were preparing for Corona their whole lives. They've stocked up on Purell 
and uh, they're all it's all in the sanctuary if you need it. So uh, I remember seeing that in the the directives from the bishop, like. I don't know if it was Hamilton Diocese or London, but there was a note in there directing that extraordinary ministers had to use hand sanitizer. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> at least he's uh, encouraging the holy hand sanitizer. To be used. <laughs> well, well, and here's the thing. Okay, yes, the, they'll sanitize their hand and then they'll still be touching everybody else's hand. So really, it's just like. Yeah, they're not sanitizing in between each person. No, and they're touching every single person's hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like a doctor going to work and then just washing his hands when he gets there, and then just washing his hands when he leaves for the day. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's it. I think. I mean, that's an argument where I've argued with a, a couple people on Twitter. No one is willing to listen to any kind of argument about it. Everyone thinks you're a psycho or, you know, a schismatic or something. If you say, hey, it's not actually right for the bishops to do this. Oh, so you're not obedient to your bishop? No, I I would definitely obey if my bishop told me that. Yep. But it still wouldn't be right for him to tell me to do that. Well, I mean, at that point, I would be like, okay, so I can't receive communion on the tongue that I'm just not receiving. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I mean by obeying. Yeah. It would be I better would... to make a spiritual communion than to risk, you know, those holy particles falling. Yep. Yep. I think every Latin master basically agrees on that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some great... Uh, there's some great prayers of spiritual communion. Um, yep. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking maybe as a side podcast, I don't know, maybe we want to make a, had, you know, cool ideas to keep the, uh, the Sabbath <laughs> <laughs> when you can't go to mass and just throw some ideas around. I thought maybe we could do maybe a side podcast. Maybe that's a good idea for next week. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Um, because yeah. I was going to say, I did so much stuff today. <laughs> there were wholly good things, I think. Yeah. I could, uh, um, did you guys set up a home altar today? Yeah. I took a picture of it. I yeah. was going to, I sent it to you. Put it on, had, put it uh, on our Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, had, uh, I'll put mine had, on there too. We had a little crucifix set up and we lit a, uh, a myrrh scented candle. And then um, we had a, a couple of like third degree relics where they're third class. degree, third class relics. And I, I set them all near the crucifix. And I don't know. That this was about was, as good as we could get. This was like when we were going to watch the mass. Yeah. We put all this stuff around. Yeah. And then we ended up just praying with it because uh, the stream was dead from FSSP. Yeah, I'm assuming it got hugged to death by yeah. all the people who were home from mass. <laughs> yeah, I think they just probably got overwhelmed. Didn't have the bandwidth yeah. to, to handle that. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for uh, a place to donate your money to this Lent, if we all band together and donate to them. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking we need to donate to the FSSP and just 
put a note and say, please put some more money into LiveMass.net yeah. during the virus scare because so many people need to watch your mass. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um my buddy Matt McDonald Father Mac McDonald, he um he did a couple masses today and just set up his phone, you know, and did a mm-hmm. private mass. He's in the Archdiocese of New York, so shout out to mm-hmm. him. He's gonna come on the podcast, I think, sometime this season. I think I just oh, got cool. an email from him, um, or a text. The yeah, it's it's crazy how much and how divided the church is even on this. Um, but I mean I think if anything, like maybe we could just say to our listeners, you know, right now is not the time to be attacking one another over whether or not you're a good Catholic for not going to mass when your bishop, your local bishop has dispensed you from going to mass in the time of a crazy crisis, you know? Um, And vice versa to like try to, try to have uh, charity for people who disagree. Like if you're one of the people staying home, um, also be charitable to the people who are, driving to the next diocese to go to mass yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah for sure for sure everyone's um, trying to do the right thing and and that's the yeah. thing right like um we've got uh, so many people i think one one great twitter feed to follow is hillary white um she's at hillary sorry hilar wait what is it uh Hilarity Jane. Hilarity Jane. Yeah, that's what she is. Um, she's fantastic. She's out in uh, out in Italy right now. She's seeing everything firsthand in terms of how crazy things can get. Um, so it's it's worth following her um, because yeah, she has seen it ramp up and what it looks like when it ramps up, and she's. Yeah, she's a full, she's a hardcore trad. She's great. Um, but I think she's got kind of a moderate view of things. So check her out. Cool. Anyway, shall we hop in? Yeah. Let's do it. Do you want to Let's pray? Let's do that prayer. Do the prayer? Okay. I'm going to read it in English because not everybody knows that. <laughs> Dude, like Just people kidding. would make fun of me if they heard how how bad I am at pronouncing stuff in Latin. But uh okay. I will say the the sign of the cross in Latin though. Nomina Patris et Filii et Spiritui Sancti. Amen. O God, who willest not the death of the sinner, but that he should repent, welcome with pardon thy people's return to thee. And so long as they are faithful in thy service. Do thou in thy clemency withdraw the scourge of thy wrath. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Ghost, God, forever and ever. Amen. 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 Patris et Filii Spiritui Sancti. Amen. So, a um, couple, couple things uh, backtracking to our previous episode. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, where's that prayer from? Oh, didn't I? I did say that earlier. Uh, but yeah, that was the mass. Uh, that was the collect for the mass for the deliverance from death in time of pestilence. So yeah, so awesome. Yeah, 
you're not going to see that treasures in the of the church. Yeah, you're not going to see that in the Novus Ordo. They ripped it out. It it stinks. They've got nothing, nothing. They also mm. removed the rogation days, so they're not even asking God to pr- protect them from plague. No wonder Rome and Italy got hit so hard. Anyway, so yeah, so coming back to the uh, the couple housekeeping notes or um, backtracking notes, if you will. Uh, so we were talking in the last episode, we had, uh, the priest has now ascended the altar um, and he has incensed and uh, gone and be- went and prayed the introit. So when he prays the introit, he goes to the epistle side. Um, the epistle side is when you're looking at the altar, it's to the right. Um, we're going to be talking about the placement of the missile um, in a future podcast, probably when we start talking about the actual readings, which will be probably the next, will be the next liturgical breakdown. But collect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he does the introit at the, uh, and the collect from the epistle side. Um, and the curie is also, uh, is done from the epistle side in a high mass, but in a low mass, it's done from the middle. Why? I don't know. Um, but you were talking about the curie, Mike, and you said a comment and like, I just kind of forgot. So, um, but you said like, Basically, like you, because of the three mentions of Kyrie, Christe, Kyrie, right, which addresses the three persons of the Trinity. You're like, but why are you arbitrarily saying just nine times these things? And I have the answer for that because you know we say Kyrie three times, Christe, uh, sorry, Kyrie on three times, Christe on three times, and then Kyrie on three times. Yeah, what was it I said? Something like, was it like a sarcastic, oh yeah, we're just doing it nine times randomly or something? Yeah, sorry. Sorry, just, I kept getting texts. Um, Yeah, so you had said that. So here's the answer to that from uh, Dom Garanger. Ooh. Bear with me a sec here. Bear with me, like the animal. That's a throwback, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Britt doesn't uh, get it. She, yeah. <laughs> this is an old road trip joke because Chris used to have a GPS that had a George W. Bush voice on it. Oh, and it I would remember say, that. They would say, bear left like the animal. <laughs> You've reached your destification. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember that. I missed I miss W. He was he was a great yeah. GPS. Um that was great. We have so much technology now, but can our phones do a George W. Bush voice? No. Why not? <laughs> Maybe on Waze right. it does. Google doesn't though. Um anyway, coming back to this. So uh the three invocations, each re- repeated thrice over, are like a telling us of our union here below with the nine choirs of angels who sing in heaven the glory of the Most High, 
This union prepares us to join them in the hymn which is now to follow and which these blessed spirits brought down to this earth. Awesome. Right? So cool. So there's that. Um, so that's one cool Kyrie fact. I actually had another Kyrie fact. Sweet. That I left out of the episode. And that was just the note um, Monsignor Mormon makes that uh, because the Kyrie is Greek, um, he notes that the uh, Latin Mass includes the three languages that were inscribed on our Lord's cross. That being Latin, um, Hebrew, and Greek. It's cool. So we have the Kyrie in Greek, and then we have a smattering of Hebrew words, stuff mm-hmm. like Amen, Alleluia, Hosanna, and which I learned just today, Sabbat. One, I think, meaning of hosts, right? Mm-hmm. Just in the middle of the Sanctus, there's a Hebrew word, which I never knew because growing up, they translate everything alike to English, right? They don't preserve that Hebrew word in the English, even though mm-hmm. they do preserve all the other Hebrew ones. Mm-hmm. Strange, right? Yeah. I don't know as well, like for you guys, but I love the emphasis on angels in. Mm-hmm. the latin mass and i mean in the i mean they still have it in the novus ordo as well but i mean the just the fact that we are surrounded by the holy angels at the sacrifice of the mass um and right off the hop you're reminded of that when especially mm-hmm. when we're singing the gloria um so, and despite it being Lent, yes, we are going to talk about the Gloria. Um, we're not going to sing it for you. Um, just like just that'd pretend, be like coronavirus for your ears. But yeah. pretend it's a Saint's Feast Day because yeah. the Gloria does actually come back for what is it? Just for first class feasts? Yeah. So it'd be like the Annunciation would have it. I mean, I already said the A word on this podcast. Sorry about that. It's true. When I was announcing the Hebrew words. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also, but yeah. One sec. Alleluia. Isn't that like, is that like a Greek version of hallelujah? Because hallelujah is Hebrew. Oh, yeah. My mistake. Anyway, I'm just. I'm being a stickler for language. You know me. You know me. That's fine. I was <laughs> wrong. It's rare. It's rare that you're wrong. So, um, yeah. So, in terms of the Gloria, um, I don't know uh-huh. necessarily where you guys wanted to start, um, but the priest goes now to the middle of the altar in a high mass. Um, and he raises his arms and brings them into like prayer hands and says, you know, Gloria in excelsis Deo, he intones it. Um, I always wondered why does he do that kind of sweep sweeping motion with his hands when he declares the Gloria? Um, it says here in, uh, Dom Garanger, yeah. 
I would like to know too. Um, he says, then the priest has to intone the glory in Excelsis Deo. He goes to the middle of the altar, extends his arms at first, and then joins his hands together. But neither here nor at the intonation of the credo does he raise up his eyes. Um, oh, maybe I didn't read it here. Anyway, it, I don't know where I... Hold on. Is it in Mormon? Mormon talks about how it's like a natural um, expression of the uh, basically religious feeling of the priest, the uh, desire to praise God and stuff. He doesn't really go into too much detail about why that particular gesture. This is, this is weird. Hold on. You had something you read, but now you don't know where it is. Not just that, um, but I'm seeing a difference between what Mormon says and what Dom Garanger says. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, according to the Missal, it says that standing at the middle of the altar, the celebrant extends, elevates, and joins his hands, slightly bowing, and says, Gloria in excelsis Deo. So, according to Mormon, he says... When the priest commences this hymn, he stretches out and elevates his hands and turns his eyes towards heaven. But Dom Garanger says um, he does not raise up his eyes. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, assuming, assuming this, right, is the the rubrics right for 62 it doesn't specifically tell him to raise he raises his eyes to heaven right as it would say when he is offering the like at the consecration for example mm-hmm. it would specifically say that so i'm guessing yeah, maybe there is a mistake in one of these guys yeah god forbid right but um one thing i would say is that the the gesture of raising your your hands is is an ancient custom found obviously as something that the church has acquired from Judaism um when the priest raises and extends his hands just like in the collect um it's a reminder of his raising his heart and his mind to god um so and the whole um, bringing his hands together, I don't know if this is just me, but uh, it almost feels like he's like gathering the the people's prayers together. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like an anime power up. <laughs> it's just like give me all the prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Sure, that was the intention. I like it. I like it. I'm, can, I'm going uh, with can it. Can someone draw that, like Dragon Ball Z style? <laughs> I think that's your job, Brooke. Yeah. That's your job. The prayers are over nine thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, over nine thousand bowls of incense. <laughs> um. So yeah, so a couple of things that Monsignor, or sorry, that uh, Dom Garger talks about. He says um, that there was an attempt made to prove that the Gloria 
in its composition, um, was composed by St. Hilary, but there are no real grounds for such assertion. One thing is certain, that this hymn dates from the earliest days of the Church, and that it is to be found in all the missals of the Eastern Churches. Brooke, is that true? We actually um, didn't find any direct parallel of the Gloria in there. No. We might be crazy, though. Should we Google before we embarrass ourselves? Maybe. What did you say, Chris? I'm so sorry. Yeah, so he says, there are really no grounds for such an assertion. Assertion. One thing is certain, that this hymn, the Gloria, dates from the earliest days of the church, that it is to be found in all the missiles of the Eastern churches. Yeah, I I even showed it to Mike. If it is, it's not in the same placement. Um, but uh, like, yeah, if you type Gloria, or... I don't see it in the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. Even like text searching through it, looking for yeah. all the instances of glory too. Yeah. So I find that interesting that Dom Garanger makes that claim. Let's just look on Wikipedia because there's information on the Byzantine liturgical use. In the Byzantine rite, the Gloria is referred to as the doxology, and there are two forms, the greater and lesser doxology. Greater is used in matins on Sundays. It's not in the divine liturgy. The lesser doxology is used at matins on simple weekdays, but not in the divine liturgy. Yeah. So it's... It's in the hours, not in the divine liturgy. Interesting. At least in the Byzantine. Interesting. Very interesting. Dom Garanger. Very interesting. <laughs> Finding all kinds I of I sometimes think I'm crazy. Do their, do their missiles maybe have mans included? Maybe. Maybe. I sometimes I think I'm crazy when I'm looking through the divine liturgy because I can't find stuff. I'm starting to think I'm just they're just not there <laughs> or they're or like in their in their hours just not in their Sunday yeah so, we're still so, new so if you know something yeah, else, if it's yeah. I mean this might be a regular thing doing like matins before morning mass right I could see it being mm. in the missile yeah I mean when I went to the uh Coptic church, that is what they did. Like when I showed up with Peter and like his Coptic buddy invited us, we like we came at the actual time and there was basically almost no one there. And they were just starting the hours, like their their morning hours before mass. And then the people just trickle in during that before the actual divine liturgy starts at some point (laughs) okay anyways that's my guess okay well at least we know that they do still incorporate it in the liturgical life of of the church for them it's just not incorporated into the uh into their main divine liturgy yeah so i'm not crazy not crazy i wouldn't say that who do i believe you're not crazy because of this. You're crazy for not going to mass today. Oh, I already felt bad, man. 
<laughs> I'm only I'm kidding. I'm myself only to sleep kidding. again. <laughs> again. Um, so Just yeah, like every night. <laughs> so um, maybe getting into the the actual text. So Gloria and Excelsis Deo et in terra pax omnibus bone voluntatis. Um, glory to God on high and on earth peace to men of goodwill or to glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. Hey, could we do that thing where we compare the Novus Ordo to the, the TLM? It's going to be the same. It's going to be the same. It's just a translation difference. Okay. Yeah. What were you going to say? That was was there something you noticed? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's what's going to be words. the main noticeable difference is um, the Gloria being, you know, done by a folk band or a life team band or in like David Haas style or My Little Pony style <laughs> versus Gregorian chant. Yeah. Yeah. Something maybe to point out. So you you pointed something out that I hadn't even realized um, in our diocese, the my little pony Gloria is used in almost every parish in the Novus Ordo. Um, but I never, I never clued in on this. The, mm-hmm. the difference can, can we talk about that for a sec? About just how it sounds like my little pony. No, like the, the words, uh, like the piece. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Chris just kind of said offhand the other day, right. That, um, yeah, the words are the same. It's just the, the melody that's silly. Right. And I said, no, it's got that crazy repeat that just puts words in the middle of the Gloria. And, um, yeah, you can see if you look at that version in particular, they've added some repetitions, but they've actually abused it by taking the end of one line and the beginning of the next and stitching it together as if it's its own phrase to say peace on earth in the middle of the Gloria as if it's like, I don't know, some like what were those kind of like hippie fundraising songs, you know, like, you know, the ones I'm talking about, what's the name of them? I forget where they get all these like celebrities. And this was like a nineties thing. Uh, can't remember anyways. So yeah. <laughs> so the line where it says, and on earth peace to people of goodwill in this mass setting, they say, and on earth, peace on earth, peace to people of goodwill. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace on earth, peace to people of goodwill. But that's, yeah. how, that's that not even on earth. That peace on earth, literally not part of the prayer. No. Gloria but you in can Excelsis see how Deo. they stitched it together by grabbing the next word, which is peace, and then going back and saying, on earth, <laughs> mm-hmm. and adding a comma in there randomly 
and then peace to people of goodwill. Right. What? Yeah, yeah cuz it's Gloria in excelsis Deo et in terra and on the earth. Pax hominibus bone voluntatis. So and it's that juxtaposition, right? It's glory to God in the highest pointing to heaven and on earth this is what comes about from the glory from giving glory to god is peace to people of goodwill right yeah if you look at the real english translation in your missile no matter what version it's correct it's just this mass setting where they abused it so yeah if you use that mass setting bad idea if you're the one who wrote that mass setting go to confession (laughs) yes and make reparation by requesting it be removed from every breaking bread hymnal from here till 2025 but yeah anyway yeah um so can i tell a story and i'd love to just on the topic of this particular gloria so we were talking about the Gloria today and because I was thinking about this particular setting, I started humming it for Brooke kind of to annoy her, but, uh, our daughter who is four hears this and immediately starts saying, Oh, where's my toy flashlight? My, my little pony flashlight. Cause she had this little flashlight where you could press it and it would sing that theme song my little pony my little pony <laughs> yep <laughs> but i wasn't humming that i was humming the no sort of glory to god it's been gone for months and she hasn't talked about it but she suddenly remembered it when i hummed the gloria yeah. so take from that <laughs> what you will yeah yeah Seriously, from the mouth to of a babes. child's ear, it sounds exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Continue. And there's something. There's something more also important to point out that, um, like, the Lord Himself said, "I've not come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword." Right. Um, uh-huh. And so, when we're talking here about the peace that He's offering, He's offering it to to souls of goodwill to holy souls. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Also, I don't know if you are aware of this or not. Um, Say what you will about uh, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI's work on Jesus of Nazareth. I have enjoyed a lot of the stuff in here, not everything, Um, but he actually gets into um, the idea of the history of the incarnation and kind of looks at the historical context of it. Did you guys know like what um, Caesar Augustus, what he was all about? Like, cause that's when, when our Lord was born, right? It was during the reign of Caesar Augustus Um hmm. And he viewed himself um, and the people viewed him as the savior, um, which mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. Yeah. So Pope Benedict says in Jesus of Nazareth in the infancy narratives, he says that um, with regards to the historical context of the incarnation, he says the link between Jesus and Augustus goes deeper. Augustus did not want merely to be a ruler like any other, such as had existed before him and would come after him. The inscription at Prien from the year 9 BC helps us to understand how he wanted to be seen and understood. There it is said that the day of the emperor's birth, quote, gave the whole world a new aspect. It would have fallen into ruin had not a widespread well-being shone forth through him, the one now born. Providence, which has ordered all things, filled this man with virtue that he might benefit mankind, sending him as a savior both for us and our descendants. The birthday of the God was the beginning of the good tidings that he brought for the world. From his birth, a new reckoning of time must begin. End quote. So wow. uh, there was as well related to Caesar Augustus. Um, oh, yeah. So with regards to, to Caesar Augustus, um, he also brought about an era of peace. Um, it actually says here, um, on the 23rd of September, uh, it says here between morning and evening, the shadow of this sun clock moved about 150 meters straight along the equinox to the very center of the era Pachis. There is thus a direct line from the birth of this man, Caesar Augustus to Pax. And this way it is clearly demonstrated that he is natus ad Pachem, born for peace. The shadow comes from a ball, and the ball is both the heavenly sphere and the earthly globe, a symbol of dominion over the world which is now at peace. End quote. So when when the angels declare glory to God in the highest, not glory to Caesar, glory to God, and on earth peace to people of goodwill, we understand that it's related to this baby, this baby is the real mm. ruler. This baby, this baby's it. So I just thought that mm. was important because it's, you know, we're living in a time where, you know, especially right now, like things are crazy. And, you know, we, I think part of the reason why we have all been taken so surprise, so by surprise by this coronavirus has been because a lot of us kind of build up the world of men and thought we're impenetrable. We, you know, we're the, we're the realm of technology. We, we can do whatever the heck we want. Um, but now suddenly we are faced with this global crisis. Um, and a lot of people are questioning, where is God? Where is, you know, where is, where's the peace? And the truth is Christ is that peace. We're not going to find it in the realm of men. We're going to find it in God alone. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought I'd kind of point that out. I thought that was really cool. There's there's a lot more I could yeah. say. Um, definitely read the infancy narratives by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Um, yeah, it gets more into that. That's awesome. So. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that. So. I don't know. I didn't I didn't really necessarily have a desire to go through every every inch of the Gloria. Um 
Did you guys have specific things that you you wanted to talk about in particular? Um, there's not too much to compare. Obviously, um, the uh, like mass settings aside, it's it is actually the same prayer in the TLM and the Novus Ordo, and it's also exactly the same in the Ordinariate. Again barring a little bit of their English translation is different. Just um, if kind of uh, almost King Jamesy words, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like old, old English. Um, but yeah, you were talking earlier about the angels and I thought it was cool that we have included the prayers of the angels in the mass. And that's something that's in Novus Ordo too, but we can also talk about how awesome the mass is in general. Yeah, <laughs> even the things that are retained, yeah. like this and like the Gloria and the Sanctus, are both based on the prayers of the angels that we find in Scripture, which I find amazing. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that is great about being Catholic is that we take these prayers from scripture and we pray them all the time. Like every day we pray the Pater Noster and we pray the um, Ave Maria and we pray things like these angelic prayers and um, the Magnificat and stuff like that. They're so awesome. Yeah. Just yeah, Dom, Catholic is the best. Yeah, Dom Garage <laughs> says um, the angels themselves intoned the hymn, and the church, inspired as she is by the Holy Ghost, continues the words of the angels. Right. So awesome. So the angels intoned. We're familiar with this as you know being in the scola. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and then and then the church picks up. From from mm-hmm. that intonation of those those angels. Um, Speaking of intoning, one weird thing in the general instruction for the Novus Ordo that it's kind of minor, but I noticed that it does say you have to intone the Gloria, even like it can be intoned by the priest or the choir or a cantor, but it can't just be started by the whole people. That's interesting. And I think given what you say about the angel giving the first line and it having an, a significance, maybe that's intentional. And it seems like it's something everyone's forgotten about because mm-hmm. now the intoning is I play the intro on my guitar or piano and then everyone sings glory to God together. Mm-hmm. There's no intoning the first line anymore. Yeah, and and in the the traditional Latin mass, the priest is the one that intones that line, right? Yeah. At least the Gloria in excelsis Deo, right? And then yeah. everybody picks up from there. Yeah. Um. Um. A couple couple things that were pointed out. So in the Gloria, we see the four ends of the sacri- of the sacrifice of the mass are alluded to um oh really yeah so uh from from the angelus press missile it says here the four ends of the sacrifice of the mass are to be found in the gloria adoration 
which is glory to God in the highest. Thanksgiving, we give thee thanks. Atonement, son of the Father, have mercy on us. And impetration or supplication, receive our prayer. Um, wow. Which is, which is cool. Right? Awesome. Yeah, Dom Garanger says, uh, essentially refers to the bear addressing these several expressions to God. So in the beginning, right, like the laudamus te, benedicimus te, adoramus te, glorificamus te. Um, he says, with the intention of praising him, thanking him, adoring him, and glorifying him. It's a perfect prayer and praise. Such is the intention of the church. Let it be ours. Mm. Beautiful. Let's see here. Um, we give thee thanks for your great glory. Dom Garanger says, the greatest glory is the incarnation. So hence the church might well say to him, we give thee thanks because of thy great glory. The homage paid by the word incarnate, even in what me what might be thought the least of his adorations, procures more glory to the divine majesty than all created beings unitedly could do. It's true. Um, Dom Garanger over and over makes reference to the fact that when the church is praying through the Gloria and through all the mass, the church is begging her spouse and, and adoring her spouse. Um, right. So it first starts with addressing God, um, directly just as like in his divine Godhead, but then it breaks down into the three persons of the Holy Trinity. Right. Um, it's kind of funny because he, Dom Garanger somewhere says, it is not a long composition, like, for example, the preface, in which the Holy Church always begins by some doctrinal teaching and then turns to prayer. I almost disagree with him here, though, because if you go through the Gloria, you get a very clear, though it is nuanced, um, doctrinal teaching on the Trinity. Because you start with Domini Deus, Rex Celestis, Deus Pater Omnipotens, Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, right? Mm -hmm. Then, O Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, who takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us, right? So you're, you're not only learning about god in general but you're learning these different points of the trinity um which i thought was really cool does it really mention the god the holy spirit yep yep it says oh yeah uh, true it does yep at the end with, right? with the holy spirit right at the end there mm -hmm. and he says he says here too yeah then she turns to her divine spouse to christ she can never tire of speaking of him, and almost all the rest of the canticle is addressed to him. She sings the incarnate Son of God, and she calls him Lord. Domine fili unigenite, Lord, the only begotten Son. She also calls him by the human name, which he received as a creature, as creature, Jesu Christe. But she does not forget that he is God. She loudly proclaims it, saying, Domini Deus, Agnus Dei, Filius Patris, right? So de uh, declaring that he is not just son of the Father, but still 
God. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, her spouse is God. He is to the Lamb of God, as St. John declared him to the people. And finally, he is Son of the Father. In her delighted love, Holy Church gives her spouse every title she can think of. She enumerates his glories. It is a joy to her to announce them all in turn. I love that. I love that. You know, so romantic. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, she tells and retells the glorious truth first. She asks for mercy, and then she beseeches him to attend to the prayer of his bride. Sushipe deprecationem nostrum. Behold us here assembled for the sacrifice. Receive then our humble prayer. Right? Um, I don't know if you know this, so, um, and I'm not necessarily 100% sure where this uh, for sure comes from, uh, but obviously you bow your head at the name of Jesus. We've talked about that. Um, mm-hmm. But the church also, uh, like you'll notice, especially in places where it's a little bit more obvious, like where there's priests and choir and whatnot, um, the, at the sushi, Sushipe deprecationem nostrum, right? Lord, receive our prayer. The they will remove their berettas and bow their heads, um, as a matter of really like, humbly asking God, please, Lord, receive our prayer. Um, oh. I don't think I've noticed that, right? Because, well, I mean, think about it. Just practically speaking, too, when we say when we say, okay, time for prayer, what do we do as men? We remove our hats. Yeah, hats off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you may see people in your TLM parish bow their head. It's it's a good practice, right? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh yeah, you'll notice as well. We've been harping on this endlessly. Miserere nobis is all throughout the Gloria. Right, Lord, have mercy. Um, we're still, even as we're praising God, we're also begging Him for His mercy. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds familiar in the Divine Liturgy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on speaking of the Divine Liturgy. We were talking earlier about how the Kyrie came from the East, right, Brooke? We were talking about that earlier. Or did I just read it? You might have just read it. No, we talked about that in one of our podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Kyrie basically migrated from the Eastern liturgy to the West. And that's why it remained in Greek. Hmm. And I think, was it Mormon that said um, one of the reasons the church maintains it in Greek is to express it's universality it's catholicity that even though it's the mass of the latin rite in some sense because the roman rite is what's the term almost like well it's the first c right mm-hmm. of the universal church yeah the primary so it makes c. sense that its liturgy expresses the universality of the church by including the east as well i thought that was cool yeah did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Brooke? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I wanted to just 
the whole time we've been sitting here, I've had that Gloria stuck in my head, the My Little Pony one. Oh, no. And then you've been talking about how, you know, they say, um, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. But the tone, like the the melody for it is like the happiest, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> but they sing it so happily. Like the Gloria is not, I don't know, the music that was written in that mass setting is not at all, uh, I want to say, appropriate. <laughs> mm. It's, it's kind of like um, a toddler who's still learning how to say sorry. And they're like, they did something wrong, but they really want to go play. <laughs> and yeah. they're just like, sorry, as yeah. they dance off playing. And you're like, you're not sorry. You well, just, but, you're just playing. Well, and in that <laughs> yeah. setting, I sang that setting, that setting like every Sunday for years. Yeah. So they'll say, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. And then someone will Echo. sing it back. Have mercy on us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of obnoxious. It's not yeah. well written, like musically. Yeah. And I mean, even in the case of a orchestral mass, you know, in the extraordinary form or traditional Latin mass, whatever, like you might hear them repeat a phrase or uh, over and over or extend a phrase really long or, or whatever. But, but the priest is saying it in its full entirety on his own at that altar Right. He will go, he will say it. And I mean, in the case of a, an orchestral mass or something where the Gloria is like 10 minutes long, not that's an exaggeration, but sometimes, you know, he will say the Gloria at the, uh, in the center of the altar, finish it, go to the chair and sit and remove his Beretta or sorry, or put on his Beretta. Excuse me. And then wait for wait for the choir to finish, and then get up and you know go to finish the collect. Um, so, but in the Novus Ordo, the goal is that the priest is praying the Gloria with the people, right? Mm -hmm. It's all one prayer, and he uh, he's not even saying it properly in its entirety because he's doing glory to God, glory to you know. Um, he's saying peace on earth in the middle of that direct quote from scripture mm -hmm. and it is and it is forbidden to add a word to the liturgy like i and believe even, it's and even more so to scripture yeah right <laughs> true like he'd he'd saint john's morning if you add peace on earth in the middle of luke 2 14 yeah what does he say? You'll add to yourself all of the plagues and I don't remember. <laughs> what is that quote from St. John? Look at, let's look it up. Let's look it up. <laughs> you'll add to yourself all the coronaviruses. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> like the music almost distracts you so much that it's so hard to think about the words that you're saying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That Does that really, make sense? That really is a problem. Yeah. Like the setting. 
Oh, setting takes right. so much away from the words. Yeah. So in Revelation or Apocalypse twenty two eighteen, I'm gonna pull up the Douay Reams. Just keep getting deeper and deeper with these episodes, guys. <laughs> yeah. This is important. This is one of the last words of the Bible. This warning not to add or remove anything from Scripture. Yeah, he says, For I testify to everyone that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues written in this book. Wow, we're coming full circle on this corona episode, aren't we? Yeah. Wow. Although, although technically he is talking about the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. I think the concept applies to scripture as a whole. The Holy, the, Holy sure Ghost intention- knew, the Holy Ghost knew what he was doing when he was inspiring St. John, right? Yeah. The intention of that verse is not, you'll get plagues if you edit the apocalypse, but if you change the gospel of St. Luke, that's fine. Nuh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> You cannot change the gospel. Peace on earth is not part of it until the uh, new heaven and new earth. Yeah. Deuteronomy 4.2, you shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep, com- may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Deuteronomy 12.32, whatever I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to nor take away from it. Yeah. It's a common theme. Yeah. And also, let's be honest, common sense. Hello. (laughs) No, my little pony glorious. Just don't. I don't know how, like, I mean, I was there for many years, but looking back, I can't believe that, like, for at least some period of time, I did not realize that was an enormous problem, an intolerable problem. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that our bishops are allowing for that and approving these mass settings, that's unconscionable. Like how can they in good conscience do that? I don't know. Yeah. Like, do you have no fear of God? Yeah. But the thing is, again, ignorance, we were ignorant, but they're far more like, I mean, they're, they've got far more uh, education than we do, right? You would think that they would know this scripture. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. I mean, they all hold at least master's degrees. In <laughs> well, they have licentiate degrees, theology, right? right? They've, they've got even more. So we talked about the, the nodding at the, of the head at the name of our Lord, the nodding, the bowing of the head uh, at the... Uh, um, but there is also at the end of the Gloria, which you don't see in the Novus Ordo, um, where the priest and generally the people do this as well. They do the sign of the cross, uh, the to solus dominus, to solus altissimus, to solus, uh, sorry, yeah, to solus dominus, to solus altissimus, Jesu Christe, cum sancto spiritu. And then in Gloria Dei Patris, um, so the so the priest will cross himself at that point. Um, it says here at the conclude. This is from Mormon. He says at the conclusion, 
The priest makes the sign of the cross according to the custom of the ancient Christians who sanctified all their principal actions by calling to mind the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. So if you're not doing the sign of the cross at the end of the Gloria, it's a cool thing to do. All right. Any other any other thoughts, y'all? No. That's all I got. Yeah. We'll have to uh, collect our thoughts for next time. Yeah. With the call collect. Nobody. I got it. Joke. I made another joke. Call collect. I get it. It's collect call. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a oh, it's like man. a call with the collect in it. <laughs> <laughs> call it a collect. <laughs> um so yeah, uh yeah, next next week we'll talk about maybe ideas for keeping the Sabbath holy. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Because that's one thing that we did not do growing up, really. Like, yeah. we went to Mass, yes, but uh, it was usually the day we cleaned the house. Yeah. But also just, like, even trad Catholics who are used to not working on Sunday and making an effort on Sunday. What do you do when you can't go to mass? Yeah. A lot of people are just like, what do you mean when you don't go to mass? I've never not gone to mass. You know? (laughs) And here's the thing, this, the state that we're in right now may last for a few weeks. Yep. Like they're taking it week by week. I have a feeling it's going to be this way for at least three, maybe even four or more, at least three. We're, we're not even like, we haven't even hit peak Corona in Canada yet. So, I mean, unless God intervenes, we're, we're looking at big time hit, I think. And we're already starting to see it in places like Toronto, uh, Vancouver, is getting hit. Ottawa ha- has a bit of a blossom of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, we need to pray for all the souls of those that are, you know, infected with this disease and those that um, yeah. you know, might not might not make it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we'll end the podcast in a in a couple minutes here. Before we do, though. Um, We'll get maybe we'll get Mike to do the uh, the prayer to Saint Rocco. Do you want to do that for us and the prayer with that? Or yeah, the absolutely. With that? Um, while while Mike pulls that up, I just want to thank uh, everybody for listening to today's podcast. Uh, we we're really glad that you joined us. Um, if you're anything like this, you're you're struggling through, and we're we're glad that you've uh, taken the time to to listen and hang out. Um, we're praying for you, uh, and, uh, know that we love you. And, uh, if you need us to pray for you, um, we've had a couple people already reach out to us for prayers. Um, yeah, we would love to pray for you. Um, so please reach out to us. Um, so yeah, if also, if you've not yet, we, we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, wherever you listen really to great podcasts. If you're a friend of social or 
if you're a, a fan of social media, we would love for you to give us a follow. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Um, you can email us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. Um, again, next week we're we're going to be talking about ideas to keep the Sabbath holy. So make sure you check out uh, the podcast. It'll be live every. It goes live every Wednesday, five thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so make sure you're subscribed so you know when it f- comes out. Um, also, uh, be sure to check out our show notes at theologyofthebuddy.com. We uh, we actually have an affiliate link with Tumblr House. Um, our friends over at Tumblr House are a fantastic proprietor of Catholic literature. Um, they've got many, many, many titles, including the Latin Mass Explained, which is one of the principal titles that we're, we're using for this uh, liturgical breakdown uh, by Monsignor Mormon. Um, so uh, if you're looking for a way to grow in your own faith and love for the traditional Latin Mass and also to give us a little support along the way, you can definitely visit our show notes at theologyofthebuddy.com and look for that affiliate link from Tumblr House. Um, and in advance, thanks so much for... Uh, supporting the podcast, uh, whether it be by uh, doing that affiliate link or sharing it with your your family and friends. We we really appreciate it. Okay, so do you want to end with a prayer? Yeah, so we're going to pray this prayer to St. Rocco, uh, patron against all contagious diseases. I nomine patris et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. O great St. Rocco, deliver us, we beseech thee from the scourges of God. Through thy intercession, preserve our bodies from contagious diseases and our souls from the contagion of sin. Obtain for us salubrious air, but above all, purity of heart. Assist us to make good use of health, to bear suffering with patience, and after thy example, to live in the practice of penance and charity that we may one day enjoy the happiness which thou hast merited by thy virtues. St. Rocco, pray for us. St. Rocco, pray for us. St. Rocco, pray for us. Nomine Patris, Fili, and Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And uh, as always, stay Stay ready. ready.